Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 210 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, a recent blog, an episode our guest did, uh, which I, I did the blog, he did the episode on. Uh, we're going to call this Belief versus Knowledge or Gnosis with our guest Martin Freddy. Uh, we've had a couple episodes with Martin in the past, including our only secret episode that we've done. We should probably try and do another one. That's but right. uh, Oh, yeah. That was fun, um, but uh, yeah, go back and listen to our other ones we've done with him, and there it's always a good conversation. Uh, and uh, before we get started here, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We've got a couple on there with Martin, so go check those out. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. We're going to start probably doing a lot more now that we're getting... Uh, a lot of these guests back on and stuff. But uh, again, if you listen to our show, it's definitely worth the $2 to get all that extra content. And uh, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. Sign up for an account if you want to hypothesize, theorize, speculate, whatever, on all the topics we talk about on the show. It's the perfect place to do it. We're still working on trying to get it in the App Store, but hopefully we will get that done soon. So go check that out. Uh, without further ado, welcome back on the show, Martin. How are you? Dude, it's uh, it's great to be back. I haven't talked to you guys in seven or eight months, on the show at least officially. Right, it's right. been a while. Yeah, you've taken a couple breaks from social media, which I don't blame you. There's a a lot of BS out there, and sometimes it's just nice to just get away and do your own thing and not really worry about any of that stuff. And it can be kind of addicting, right, at, to some extent. So, yeah, you got to take your breaks. Yeah. Everything in moderation. I, it goes pretty hand in hand with uh, tonight's topic, I would say too. So that's this is actually why we were doing this episode is I wrote a blog which became a synchronicity for you but it's because you were already kind of doing something with it but uh, I wrote a blog called belief versus knowledge uh, in parentheses gnosis um, and I wrote that as a rant on Twitter it was like an eight or a nine tweet rant that I'm like why am I tweeting this why don't I just write a blog and then share it on there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I deleted it and then wrote the blog up and then posted it. And I wrote it because I saw a lot of crazy talk on Twitter, just not just, just about like ancient civilization stuff and the UFO stuff. And again, we love, those are our favorite things and we love some of the more mystical or alternative aspects of them. But I think that there's like a healthy way to approach that, that involves actually doing research and reading and understanding things and understanding what we know already and what could be possible versus absolute nonsense that some crazy person came up with, right? So I think that this is where this is where I came up with this uh, blog idea. And I don't know where what you were thinking about at the time when you did your whole episode, but uh, I mean, where do you stand on the whole I thing? mean, you know, so, so I've done, uh, I think, two episodes on belief, faith, and gnosis. Uh, and I did those as part of a, a long series. I did a Gnosticism uh, where I went over the text. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get back into a, a certain rhythm with the show, and I'm going to be diving into Christian mysticism and uh, doing a lot of New Testament stuff, for example. And uh, as, as part of that, I wanted to establish kind of, 
an entryway into a Christian mystic that kind of explains things in a way that aren't necessarily Christian per se. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing a series on Thomas Aquinas and the five proofs of the existence of God. And it was it was kind of funny when you tweeted what you tweeted because, um, you know, I, I, I don't do show notes. I don't I don't believe in show notes. Um, I just kind of let things flow. And, uh, you know, I might think about it beforehand. But most of what I say on my show just is kind of a spur of the moment thing. And so as I was gathering my thoughts a little bit, I saw your tweet and I was like, man, now I can't put this episode out because I feel like some of the points that Maurice is making kind of have to be preempted if you want to talk about something as big as proving the existence of God, right? Um, so before I began the episode, I, I gathered some thoughts on some of the things that I've done before. Um, you know, people, I, I took a, a months long hiatus from the podcast. And so when I came back, people wanted some discussion on how my experiences this year have changed my ideas on some of the topics that I've discussed previously in the show. Uh, and, and that involved heavily the idea of, of belief and, and knowledge of gnosis. Um, because I felt like in, in some regards to my life, I have gotten to a place where I don't need to believe anything to be true, where it just, it seems natural that that has to be the case. Um, so when you posted that, I said, man, I, I've got to do like a short, you know, whatever, 10, 15 minute thing, ended up being about 20, um, to kind of intro what's coming up next. And, you know, I'm glad you reached out so we can chat about it here. Um, but I'm going to be going kind of really, really in depth on that in terms of a, a Christian perspective. Uh, on the the two ideas in the coming episodes. Yeah, and um, I listened to your episode. I thought you did a great job, and some of those things were similar thoughts that I was having, too. Um, And we differ on certain points or whatever, but Mm -hmm. um, one of the interesting things is, I mean, I go into this whole rant about, like I said, mine was more provoked by people fighting about ideas that they didn't come up with, and I don't even think that they've researched the origins or the roots of those ideas and where they come from, how credible are the people, things like that. So um, it was coming from more of a place of like, come on, let's let's get it together here. And I think yours is coming mm-hmm. from more of like a hopeful, you know, I don't even know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but just a more like hopeful um, uh, spiritual place. And I think that... Um, my whole thing lately is I've been like just critiquing things and not necessarily critiquing things to be like negative and like put things down or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say, this is my journey. And these are things I've really researched and looked into and looked at all the different sources and cross reference, looked at the, um, you know, the origins, how did they come about? How, you know, who are the people, um, that came up with this? How did they come up? You know, like the whole background behind these things. And I think that when you look at that it becomes kind of second nature when you're doing research um, and you gravitate towards that style and then it becomes kind of like a system. And I just think that lately I've been on this kick where it's like, I want to believe, there's that word believe, um, but I'm not going to just believe to believe. I want to believe in something that I think is possible based on what we already know, right? Like that's the, the goal. It's not to believe in something like ancient that we know can be debunked because this was found and that was found and it correlates these two things together. I, you know, I think that there's 
again, there's a lot of people that just don't have time to research these things. They don't have time to mm-hmm. read everything or listen to the podcasts or listen to the author or whatever the case may be. So they'll read like an excerpt or hear a clip of something and they just run with it, right? They speculate and that becomes the mythology. So I guess that's kind of where I was coming from with my whole blog idea was that. And then I kind of gave breadcrumbs to how, how do we get out of this, you know? Which which I totally get. And I think, uh, you know, part of the, the difference in the way that you're coming about, even though we're coming around to kind of the same points, same ideas, uh, I think one of the differences is I, I try to work my worldview from the inside out, whereas most people try to work it from the outside in. Um, so a lot of people say they, they believe a certain thing and they base everything else around that idea that they believe in. Okay. And I think that's probably not the best way to go about it, not the the most informed way of going about it. Um, It is the easiest way to go about it, okay? Um, I I don't know how much you want to go into philosophy and logic on this, but, you know, it's it's nearly impossible to prove any particular thing to be true, right? Because in order to prove one thing, you have to prove the thing that came before and the thing that came before it, right? Uh, This idea of a a progenitor. Um, So just like you wouldn't come into existence without your parents being born and their parents being born and so on, um, certain ideas can't come about without another idea that forms the basis of it. And so- Can I I just stop you there? I don't want to cut you off, but I I just want to point out one thing. That is what you're saying is 100% accurate. I just want to throw in a little something there. That was another part of like a, a, like an epiphany I had, which is there's a lot of people that are like looking back at like ancient things and interpreting them their own way when that reality had already happened in the way that those people of the times consciousness made that happen. So I think belief's important, but for future undiscovered unknown things are yet to be discovered. I think that's where that comes in handy, not looking at the past and coming up with your own storyline. I guess that's, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but. No, 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 and, and I think that's a valid point. The The difference for me is belief is just a starting point, right? So if you continue living your life simply according to belief, you're never gonna get anywhere hmm. because you're never gonna know anything to be true, okay? Uh, you know, what, one of the earliest episodes that I ever did, and maybe I should revisit it, you know, two years later, um, it's this idea of authority, which plays it, – it's kind of a central concept in, in Advaita Vedanta, which I've, I've loved for many, many years, um, uh, this non-dual philosophy. Um, and, and how much of your own power and your own will and your own thought is not your own, uh, but rather just pieces of a puzzle that are assembled over a lifetime, right? And so it's it's very difficult to break out of those things. Um you know, I, I titled my episode, God, what was it? Uh, belief is wish fulfillment. Gnosis is uh, unprovable um, because that's that's the way that I view at it. Right. So the way that I approach a problem is multidisciplinary. So I start with an idea and I approach it from different aspects of my life that have taught me different things. Right. So I'll look at math. I look at spirituality. I look at philosophy. I look at logic. I look at history. I look at economics and see how that idea interplays with those fields of study and what I can gather from each of those things. Um, And so I I quickly try to prove or disprove according to each of these various uh, fields of study. I come back to the idea. Does that make it true across all of these? If so, then I move to the next part of the problem. Okay. Uh, I'm not doing this rationally. I'm not sitting down for, you know, hours or days at a time. 
but uh, it, it becomes a process that just becomes inherent once you acquire enough knowledge for you to understand the basis, right? And and that's why I, I put a, a strong emphasis on the podcast about linguistics and about lately mathematics, and I'm going to go probably deeper into that, um, and some of these other fields that may seem totally unrelated, but once you understand the basis of what forms the ideas in those fields, you see that you can easily start plugging and playing different variables into different problems. Uh, and you might find answers that you didn't know were possible, okay? Because if you continue to stick to the same thing, you know, what, what's that famous saying by Einstein? Uh, something about if you continue doing the same thing, expect different results, that's madness, something like that. Yeah. Uh, whatever the actual quote is. Insanity, yeah. Uh, you know, if you if you approach, a say, an ancient history problem about a civilization from the same point of view every single time, you're never going to get new answers, you're simply going to find new ways to prove the idea that you already had. So in order to actually move ahead in whatever you're trying to study, you have to look at other disciplines and try to find different approaches. Because you might find that an approach can be plugged in as part of the solution. Okay, Whether it's an unrelated field or not, it doesn't matter. No, I agree with that. And that's actually what I mentioned in the blog. I say, you know, a good place to start is to learn about the scientific method in science, the history of science, uh, you know, the history of philosophy, learn about philosophy, you know, get these tools in place. So then you know where the blind spots are. So if you still want to look into some of these more fringe or alternative, you know, explanations for things, you at least have knowledge of what you'll be debating against. So, you know, you know, basically what I said, is there any blind spots or did they miss something or is this wrong? Could this be wrong? You know? And I think that, um, there are people that can do that in a, in a, in a way that makes sense. Um, and that there, there's authors and there's researchers and stuff. And that what the, they approach it from a place of, they actually do their homework. They really look into these things. And I was just getting frustrated because mm-hmm. I see all these like armchair experts that just want to read one thing or read a book or watch a documentary. And now they're the expert and they've got Dunning Kruger and they're better than ever, you know, they know better and they're just going to go out there and, you know, prove this person wrong or whatever. And I just, that frustrates me because it's like, from doing this podcast, I actually do research stuff and I know what's to me at least what's BS or what, um, needs to be looked into more. Where are things that aren't really completed and you know, how do we get there? That kind of thing. But, um, I do want to point out too, we were talking about Gnosis just so people know what Gnosis is. Um, it's like firsthand knowledge, uh, through experience mm-hmm. of some sort of mystical or spiritual experience. Um, the origin of the word actually comes from Plato or, you know, ancient Greece. Um, and, uh, you know, there was different variations of the word that led to the initial, the, the later word gnosis. And that's just, uh, that means, uh, knowledge in ancient Greek or Greek. Um, so that's where that comes from. And I think that there's a difference between belief and even gnosis because mm-hmm. there's a knowledge there that can't be replicated or tangibly, explain to somebody else because you can't put your finger on it you can't explain it in a way that makes sense it's like a psychedelic experience in that way it's like you had this weird experience it was bizarre it was spiritual it was something next level but you can't really put it in a box and tell the next person about it and have them understand in a way if they've never experienced anything like that so i guess that's Mm -hmm. kind of a big leap from, you know, you discussed in your, your podcast, you know, belief and faith too, and having faith in things. And, and I don't have a problem with that. It takes the load off your shoulders. 
um, having, mm-hmm. you know, belief in something greater than yourself. I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think the world could probably use that right about now uh, with everything that's going on. But uh, absolutely. And it doesn't, it can just be belief that, you know, we're these divine beings that have this special knowledge and, uh, you know, we're exerting our, our knowledge on the universe kind of a thing. And, and that we're, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But, you know, I don't know. What were you thinking with the whole belief and faith aspect of it? You know, the the problem is that a lot of things that we consider knowledge isn't knowledge. It's just uh, a belief by consensus. Um, or through our sense. It's like a, yeah, it's like collecting data and then applying the best. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it doesn't make it untrue um, in terms of your everyday life, but at its core, it's untrue. Right. So, so. I was thinking about this earlier today on, on my drive. You know, driving is like the best kind of meditation. Just be mm-hmm. be careful that you don't run off the road. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about this on the way home, and I thought of two examples. Uh, one's maybe a little more abstract, and one's a little more everyday thing. So, you know, I, I thought about this, for example, in terms of, like, the speed of light, right? So everyone assumes the speed of light is, whatever, what is it, 300 million uh, kilometers per second, right? And, and we base a lot of our science based on the idea that that's true. The, the science works, right? The GPS systems are built on this idea of speed of light being this number. Um, the, the meter, for example, the unit of measure is based on the amount of light or the, the, the amount of distance light travels in one second is one meter uh, or whatever it was. One, well, I can't remember what it was exactly, but that's the new standard for a meter. So all these things make our current world true and possible to exist. But the speed of light is not 300 million miles per second. That's the two-way speed of light, right? So from one point to the next and back. And it's impossible for you to measure the one-way speed of light. The one-way speed of light could be something completely different, right? So one one example that I've heard of is, uh, you know, there's always this clock synchronizing thing, right, with relativity. So so the one example that I heard was, say you're tr- you send an astronaut to Mars and you're trying to synchronize time so you can send messages back and forth to each other. We assume that it takes, you know, whatever, half the time to get to Mars, half the time to get back, right? Hmm. We assume that it travels the same in all directions. But what if that's not the case, okay? What if the two-way is the 300 million miles per second, but one way it's uh, say 75% of the time and the other way is 25% of the time, right? In terms of our perspective, it makes no difference, right? You can still synchronize the times exactly according to whatever the, the speed of light is, um, but you're, you're still not at the same point in time, right? You'd be like, whatever, 10 minutes off. Uh, or what if it travels, you know, 300 million miles per second one way, but then it's instant travel back to you. Right. So in the term, in the in the example of Mars, then the clocks would be up by 20, 20 minutes. Right. Um, because when when Mars receives the the call, instead of thinking we assume it's 10 minutes based on the distance to Mars. Um, and so you set the clock to 10 minutes ahead. Right. You send your message back and then they know that it took 10 minutes. OK, so now you're synchronized. But if that's not the case, if the travel back is instant, then now you're 20 minutes off. OK. Now, does that make any difference in terms of communication of, of the technology? Does it not make it work? No, of course not. 
right? Because the technology is the communication back and forth. So it still takes the 20 minutes. But you can't prove that that's actually the speed of light, right? So that's something that we take for granted that works, but is not true. Well, okay. that, that comes down to what you were talking about, like language. The language is just symbols for things that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're ideas that we come too. up with. Yeah, that we're all agreeing this is our shared reality and this is what this means. And we're all agreeing mm-hmm. that this is the case and this is the symbol for that. Uh, and that's what this right. means. But really, there's no universal truth in that itself. It's something that mm-hmm. we created. We create our own truth in that sense. And I think that's probably why... The ancient Egyptians, a lot of these ancient civilizations thought that language was magic because technically it is. You're creating it something is. and it's creating, you know, a, a physical thing out of something like an idea. Um, and Sherman said well, nine, and the, nine seconds nothing, from the sun. So <laughs> There's nothing inherently uh, true about a certain word that denotes the meaning of it, right? Right. So there's nothing about Mike that tells me if I look up the word Mike in the dictionary, I see a picture of you. Right. Right. Uh, there's many different mics. Okay, same with a cat. Okay, but I have a basic idea of what a mic might look like, right? A mic's probably not a woman, right? It's probably a man. Uh, a cat is probably a little furry thing with pointy ears. Okay, not a seal, right? Right. Um, so there's nothing inherent about the word cat that tells you cat, or mic that tells you mic. Okay. Um, same with, say, for example, Maurice. You have a blue shirt on, right? Yep. Okay. So is his shirt actually blue? Depends on your eyes, my friend. I mean, friend. we create it, and like that, that's a whole other, that could be a podcast in itself. Supposedly, there was a time where people couldn't see blue. If you look at the Odyssey, they describe the ocean as wine, or Homer describes the ocean as wine red, which clearly it's blue, you know, especially in Greece. Sure. It's crystal blue in most places in the Mediterranean. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those weird things. Like I said, it's just we're creating this shared concept of what it is and we can perceive that extra color of the spectrum now, or we put it together in a different way. Well, but you know, you see the shirt is blue, but blue is actually reflecting off the shirt. So the no, shirt no, has yeah. no, blue, right. Right. Um, so you, you need to take that into consideration when you think about how some of these linguistic ideas arise, um, particularly because, you know, human technology I mean, we, we've had technology for thousands of years, but modern technology, high tech stuff uh, is very new, right? Within the last 100, 200 years. Right. We've developed over thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of years. And we didn't have the, the necessary language to explain all the things we have now. Okay. Just like our biology hasn't caught up with the lifestyle that we lead now. Right. That's why people might get anxiety from social media, because you're not used to being in a group with thousands or tens of thousands of people. Right. Right. You never could hear all the terrible things about yourself from across the world. That's before. also now true. You, now you can hear it all at one second, all in two seconds. That's yeah. also true. Yeah. Especially when you have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. Actually, I've got a little story here if you guys want to bear with me for a second. Uh, and this applies to what we're exactly talking about. In roughly 196 BC, the Egyptian priests of Memphis created the Rosetta Stone for Ptolemy V to show their support and respect. The stone contained hieroglyphs, Demotic, and Greek, uh, three different languages. Demotic's like a, a different form of Egyptian writing. Um, soon after the end of the 4th century AD, when hieroglyphs had gone out of use, the knowledge of how to write these were basically disappeared. Nobody knew how to write or read hieroglyphs. 
in the early years of the 19th century, scholars were able to use uh, Greek inscriptions on the stone to help decipher the key. So uh, let's see here. The Rosetta Stone was discovered in 1799 by one of Napoleon's officers. It was then, uh, the, the French army was then defeated by the British a couple years later uh, in 1801, and it was taken back to Britain. Uh, Thomas Young, who is an English physicist and polymath, was one of the first to show that some of the hieroglyphs uh, presented the sounds of a royal name, which was Ptolemy. Uh, so that kind of like stalled after a little bit, you know, he came up with that and there was this like, oh, big breakthrough, you know, and then nothing really huge after that right away. And then uh, so there's this guy that comes along. So Jean-Francois uh, Champollion, his dad owned a, a library when he was a child and he became a prod, uh, prodigy philologist, which is an expert on languages. And he spoke, he spoke many different languages. Uh, two of them he spoke fluently, which were Arabic and Coptic. The Coptic alphabet is modified is a modified form of the Greek alphabet and with several, uh, several different uh, letters borrowed from the Demotic Egyptian script. So in 1822, Champollion published his first breakthrough uh, where he was able to decipher some of the hieroglyphs, which was never done before showing that uh, they had a writing system that was a combination of, it was phonetic and ideographic, meaning they used both how we use language and also picture symbols. And you see birds, and actually the way you read you, the hieroglyphs is, it go, always goes towards the bird, so if you're, you know, towards the bird's mouth. So, um, so many, before this, before this was discovered, many people thought that, a lot of this, the Egyptian stuff was very esoteric or ritual-based, and the, this, uh, the Rosetta Stone, that's what was on there, and they would never be able to decipher it because it was just this like made-up thing or this mystical thing. Um, so Champollion basically deciphered the rest of it and because uh, the one that's the three different languages, they used the Greek to kind of decipher the rest of it. Um, and he became like one of the first Egyptologists, basically, or that wasn't even really a thing. And he deciphered the hieroglyphs and he, you know, that's how we know what we know. Now, the whole point of what I'm trying to say is this story highlights something that was created from meaning and something special to a certain people. That was their consciousness. Then they lost it and it was forgotten to history. Then by chance, somebody with passion and the right tools comes along and again, lifts the veil and reveals the two knowledge connecting the true knowledge connecting basically our ancient past to you know our current consciousness. And uh, one quote that I like for all this kind of stuff is from Pericles, and it says, time is the wisest of all counselors, which is true. The more time goes on, the more we learn. The more we learn, the more we know. And I know what you're saying about, like, um, we're just giving meaning to things and there's no real objective truth to these objects or these symbols or whatever. Like it's something that we're assigning value to. But at the same time, I think this story is an example of true knowledge because this person was able to take something that was lost to time and then recreate it through the eyes of what the people were creating in the sense that it's a physical thing that was written down. Whether they took different meaning from those exact words and letters is a different story. Like, you know, you can interpret it the way you want to interpret it, but the actual physical language was lost to time and then rediscovered. So that, I think that's an, an example of true knowledge in this real, this, this realm of reality, if you will. I think, uh, I think our ideas of, of true knowledge are slightly different 
Um, I think linguistically, you can't have any true knowledge, but that doesn't mean that ideology you can't. Um, it's just a matter of translating the ideology into language is, is where we fail. Um, you know, one, one thing that I mentioned on, on that episode was this, this idea of uh, Gödel's incompleteness theorem, where you can have truth is bigger than provability. Right. So there are truth. Th there are proven things that are true and there are true things that are unprovable. OK, so that means that truth is larger than the things that you can prove. And I think the same rule applies when you are talking about ideas in in language. Um, there are ideas that you can experience, but you can't describe. OK, so we've talked about this before. when We've talked about like psychedelic experience, for mm -hmm. example. Um, you can you can go very in depth. You know, you can probably write a, a thousand page book on a particular psychedelic experience, but that thousand page book is not going to describe exactly what it felt for you to be in that experience. Okay, you might be able to approach what the experience was like, but you can never fully replicate it in that sense. Hmm. Um, same like you know when you have a dream. If you have a dream and you wake up, a lot of times you forget the majority of the dream, okay? There are some dreams where you might remember the majority of it, but you don't remember specific details, right? Whereas if you if you practice some kind of lucid dreaming, for example, you might be able to pick out those details as you're in the dream. But once you're back to being conscious, you forget all those ideas, okay? Hmm. Because you, you don't have a way to replicate it with your current worldview, your current experience of living. Um, you, know, you you can think about this if if you look at different species, uh, and that's why I brought up the movie Arrival, for example. How does one little tiny change in the way that you experience reality change the way that your language is constructed, or the way that you construct ideas or your philosophies? Um, you know, bees can see in ultraviolet light. We can't. So were bees able to communicate verbally, how would their language be different than ours? Because we just see colors. Okay, we can't see ultraviolet. Okay. And the idea that I brought up in the episode is if you have a species that's able to see all moments in time at the same time, instead of linearly, consequentially, right, one event following another, how does that change your philosophy in the way that you experience reality, in the way that you communicate it? Okay. So does the experience create the language and therefore the words they use to communicate it, or is it the other way around? Okay. I don't think we really have an idea for that, and there's probably no way to prove any of that either. Uh, number one, we're the only species that we know for sure exists right now with intelligent verbal communication. Uh, I'm not saying that aliens don't exist for for the audience, but mm. um, yeah, don't go there; they'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, of course aliens exist. That's it's a it, to me it's a given. Um, the the intricacies might be something to be discussed later. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I just I, what I was trying to say though is like I think I think we're just slightly interpreting each other's you know perceptions of this a little bit differently. I just think that when I say true knowledge, I'm saying something was created and written in a form with an exact language. Now that exact language was lost to time and then recovered and because this one dude who was a prodigy who knew Coptic, which is like a weird language to know, but he was this, you know, philologist prodigy child uh was able to use the coptic because coptic and greek you know have some crossover and similarities 
that's almost like a synchronicity in itself. So there's almost something spiritual about him discovering that and having the tools and the time and you know that 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 stone was taken from the French and brought to what if it was never taken from the French in, in that treaty for after the war? What if it was left to the French? Would they have you know? And Ch- Champollion was French, so he had a lot of backlash when he was in Britain. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's certain parts of that story that have certain gnosis aspects to it, um, but also have knowledge in the sense that, um, like I said, he was able to uncover something in this realm that was created in this realm that was somebody else's idea at the time and bring it to light. And we can interpret, we're probably most definitely interpreting it different based on our modern idea of language and Mm -hmm. concepts and ideas, but that doesn't change the fact that we know what they were saying, you know, so we can then speculate off that it's very different than somebody thinking oh we'll never decipher that and i think it means that you know this uh it's from twenty five thousand years ago or something you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i think that the- yeah that that uh that kind of goes with something that you and i have talked about before and it's that that platonic idea that uh there's no new knowledge to be gathered uh you're just, just simply kind of picking things out of the ether and remembering these different ideas right um so you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't a very smart and very knowledgeable guy, but he had the right tool set to be able to interpret those things. Right. Um, you know, the way that I explained that in my podcast and my podcast is obviously a little more spiritual than yours. You guys deal more in science. Um, and while I, I go into that and I, I have a very scientific approach to my spiritual understanding of things, um, you know, the, the way that that comes up in my show is. Uh, you know, God talking to somebody, right? Mm. Um, and whether whether you realize that uh, you're not special, right, that God talks to everybody or not, uh, and whether you have the ability to listen in to what that information is, okay? Mm. So in your example, that translates perfectly, okay? There were many other people when this was found probably trying to study it, but they didn't have the right tool set, okay? Because if you can't, if you don't have the right tool set, you can't decipher the information right okay you don't have the whole puzzle but you have different pieces you have different methods you can use that you can apply to find the answer and that's what he did so he's still he's still picking right. this information out of the ether i mean i get but what you're saying too understanding and like, without understanding how to grab it out of nothing he would have never found the answer hmm. okay uh think of uh yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Girdle did if we want to go back to that. But uh, one thing that I found really interesting is, for example, like the number zero. Okay. What would it take until 600 AD for us to discover the number zero? Okay. It's like the most fundamental thing in mathematics today. You couldn't have 99% of the technology we have without knowing that there's a number that's zero that forms the basis for all of mathematics. Right. And yet we live for thousands of years without a problem, without having that that idea of, of nothing, of zero. Hmm. I'm right there with you. And I think that just to be fair about this too, I think that, you know, your, your podcast is more about like spirituality and like these ideas of like gnosis and Gnosticism and all that. And I love that. I listen to your podcast and I love listening to like the, um, audible great courses, Gnosticism Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, different interpretations of it and everything. Um, but I think that when we started this podcast, and I put this in our blog in the blog I wrote about this, um, 
we started from like the most woo. You know, I was making <laughs> connections yeah, based on synchronicities did. of just spiritual, psychedelic, mystical experiences. And I still have those and I still love that stuff. I'm still interested in that stuff. I just think that without having this balance or like one foot in reality, I think you can get way far out there and, and kind of miss the point. Like there's a reason, even if you think that there's more to life beyond this realm, there's consciousness survives death or you go somewhere else or we're here for a reason. And mm-hmm. if if you're just thinking about the next level and you're not thinking about this, you know, I think that that's the point. So I think that, you know, this is the Rosetta stone. Our lives are the Rosetta stone and we have to decipher them in my opinion. And I don't think that you do that by just thinking about esoteric abstract thoughts that are created by somebody from 300 years ago that, you know, they just came up with them themselves, you know, and I'm not saying that there's nothing to some of these, you know, mystics or ancient knowledge. I do. I really do think there's something there, but I think Mm -hmm. that there's also a lot of people we have it now, these modern pseudo prophets and certain, you know, esoteric, (laughs) you know, communities that pretend like they have some sort of special knowledge or they're on the inside or whatever. And they don't, they don't, they're just playing telephone with a bunch of other people. And then that's how these myths get created. And that's what we're great at as human beings is creating these myths and creating this mythology. And maybe that's just embedded into our DNA, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, like I said, I've, I'm, I love that whole aspect of things, but I need to balance it out. And I think that I'm swinging back a little bit more, you know, I'm coming back around to the other side. Um, once you have that basis of science and philosophy and how things work in this realm, I think you can really take a look at the other stuff and see, like I said, where are the blind spots, you know, where can we go from here that makes sense? You know, like what's possible reincarnation or this or that there's our, you know, there's evidence Mm -hmm. for different things that make sense, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, uh, you're right in one sense too. We're all human beings and we're all kind of flawed and we don't really have this, this real definite objectivity because that's not what the world is. This is all just magic or a, a you know, group hallucination. Yeah. I mean, look, you're, you're undergoing the hero's journey, man. I just, uh, I don't want you to get disillusioned by, um, we'll just say naysayers, uh, maybe yeah. Debbie Downers. All you naysayers. Uh, all you naysayers. Uh, I just don't want you to be disillusioned and and lose focus of what you're doing um, because you're getting upset at something that somebody's saying. You see what I mean? No, I just get upset when I see people fighting and wasting time when they could be just reading a book or learning something. That's where I and then maybe that's their journey. I don't know, but I just it irritates me. It's like you could be learning something right now instead of fighting with somebody. And it's not even your idea, and you don't even know what you're talking about half the time because I see what these people are saying. It's like I've studied that. I know what what's possible or what this person said in this book or what this and it's half the time it's wrong and they're fighting about it so i guess that that's where i get a little little irritated it's like i want humanity to be better i want there to be less people that are just lazy about like looking into things and stuff i don't know i guess that's just my yeah, own but good luck with that bro i mean yeah but yeah. but th- think about how much more you could learn in your journey if you spent less time worrying about other people not following theirs hmm. Yeah, right. No, I, I get it. Like I said, that that was just a a rant. I I rarely, if you look at our Twitter feed, I rarely go on rants. But once in a while, I'll rip one off and I know. 
that one was like an eight tweeter, like I said, and I deleted it and just created a blog on it. But again, it was, it's, it wasn't even just, I just want, I don't know. I feel like we could be further along by now instead of so, I don't even know. Just like I said, like you were saying me. Yeah, dis- but you can't think about but you're that. Saying, you, have to only, you can only think for yourself. You can't put yourself in other people's no, no, shoes. You're 100% right. And both of you are right. I should just focus on what I'm doing and not worried about like what other people are doing. And I don't do this podcast for it. Like this is our journey. I'm not like trying to impress somebody or learn this so I can do this or it's not like that. This is like what I'm actually, these are my thoughts. Someday I think we're living, breathing magic and I think life's super spiritual. Then other days I think, wow, it's just is what it is kind of a thing. And I kind of swing back and forth and it's kind of like, this is my true feelings and these are my true, um, this is my path. This is not like some game or a joke you know what i'm saying like so no but sometimes you just want to shake people and go wake up (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean we all get that feeling sometimes anyone with half a brain but the reality is it's going to take us some time for us all to evolve to the next level and everybody isn't as awake as others yeah you know unfortunately the only thing that you can uh hope to change is yourself Uh, Regardless of how much you try to change others, they're only going to change when they're ready and willing to change. Um, So all you can do is, you know, speak your truth, man. And if people want to listen, they'll listen. If they don't want to listen, they won't. And maybe they'll come a time. They are not listening right now. (laughs) They do not like (laughs) real. They do not like realism. There might come a time when they say, oh, man. I'm looking for this, and then they find Mike and Maurice Mind Escape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's that's the way that I approach my show. You know, my my show has grown a lot, but I mean, I really don't care. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's why the secret I, I is not yeah, caring. Maybe. No, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that's why I got off of Twitter on my personal account. I had two Twitter accounts. Well, I have more than that, um, but the, most of them I don't use. My personal Twitter and the, the podcast was the one that I was using the most. And uh, I just got off my personal one because I just don't care about, like, what TV people are watching and what movies and comic books they're reading. Um, like, sure, that's cool. But, like, does it improve my life in any way, right? Um, it's just, like, a, a fleeting moment of enjoyment and then what, right? Um, whereas if I if I focus on, on myself and, and trying to understand more – um, and, and think less then then I feel like I, I achieve more happiness that way. Right. I mean, I, I was in a really tough place. Right. Um, mm. We've talked about this uh, publicly and privately. Um, I did an episode on it. I, w- I was in a really tough place uh, at the beginning of this year and the last year. Um, and that, that's not something that I that I thought. Right. So so I had this like short moment in time where I felt like a, a complete imposter right because i'm doing this podcast about spirituality and finding truth and meaning and you know meditation and this that and the other um and, and meanwhile i'm you know trying to fight this these suicidal thoughts i kind of left my house for about a month uh, i spent some times in the woods i spent some times at, at my dad's house um but but you know when when i got to my lowest point um where i thought i'm just kind of done with all this crap that's when I realized, well, I'm not done with any of it, right? I'm just, I'm just getting started. Mm. Um, and so my, my, my outlook on things really changed, right? That's when, when I went from believing these things to be true, right? Hoping that they're true, right? That's the, the meaning of belief, wish fulfillment, um, to knowing that they're true, right? Um, now you have to be careful because you might find meaning in certain things that have no meaning, mm. right? So 
you know, I, as I mentioned, I was very close to, to suicide. And, and I had this epiphany almost at the moment that it was going to happen. And, and I could easily say, well, uh, you know, it'd be like, a, like a Abraham, right, uh, trying to sacrifice his son. Be like, oh, God talked to me, and uh, God doesn't want me to die, right? Uh, my wife and I are watching Dexter now, and there's there's a cool scene in season four that where that happens. Um, I, I could easily have thought that, right? Hmm. Um, but like I said in my podcast, I know better, right? I know better. And it, it doesn't make me any more special than anybody else, right? It just takes... It takes a, a, a really deep, hard experience that just completely shatters your idea of of truth and false for you to come out of it kind of as a new person, right? The, this idea of resurrection. Um, like that to me is the resurrection, right? Going through this ritual and, and killing this old self of yours that just kind of believes because you, you like what somebody said on a podcast or a video or you like somebody's book or whatever – um, but, but that's not your path, right? Um, I, I, I don't find as deep a, a purpose as you do, I think in life. Um, but that doesn't make me a nihilist, um, because I think everyone, everyone serves a purpose. You're like a nihilist, man. No, no, no. I'm not a nihilist. See, uh, Carl Hungus like, over here, the nihilist. You know, it's it's like when people everyone calls like Buddhist nihilists. Buddhists are not nihilists, they're complete opposite of nihilists. Okay. Uh just because you don't believe in in an actual act of purpose doesn't mean that you don't serve a purpose. Uh my thing is I'll never know what my purpose is, right? Yeah. My purpose I think is you have to create your to own fi- purpose though. That's my yeah. my take on it. T- to me, my purpose is to do what I do every day. Okay. Wake up and take care of my family and, and do my podcast and share my thoughts. And if the ideas that I come up with one day I find the next day are wrong, then I learn from that ex- experience and and I improve the idea, right? Uh, that that's all we can do. And and you can never to go back to the spiritual ideas. To me, you can never achieve full awakening, full enlightenment there. Any of these things, um, I think that's just kind of a fairy tale that everyone tells each other. Uh, but but you can achieve that now, right? Um, you know, there's, there's that quote, uh, the kingdom of God is within you, right? It's not anywhere but where you are right now. Uh, and I think that's we, – we get bogged down by all these ideas of things that sound super pretty and nice, uh, just like belief. Belief is easy, okay? I can believe what the hell I want. I, I can believe the earth is flat, sorry, flat earthers. Uh, I can believe uh, – what do people believe in? Underground alien bases? Maybe. I don't know. I could believe that. Um I could believe that uh, women have three nipples. Okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, All right, total but, recall. But any of that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love. Well, okay, so but that that was was going to bring my other point about like belief is you can kind of separate it. Like I was t- saying earlier, like I think there's a way in which belief serves us, which is you believe that something's possible. So like, um, I don't even know Steve Jobs when he came up with this visionary idea for this handheld thing that would have everything at your fingertips. Okay. That was belief in something greater that didn't exist yet. That sounds crazy. Sounds like science fiction, but it came true through, you know, he found a way to create that using the laws of physics and science and the way we know how things work. And I think, you know, you listen to our podcast, you know, that we're, we're super critical of like, you know, materialist stuff and like mm-hmm. science that's like dogmatic science or like scientism, stuff like that. You know, we're, we, 
we're very you know against anything that's like super dogmatic it, I, one way or the other it doesn't matter what it is because i believe that we don't really know a ton so even if you look at science it's always evolving you know certain terms for things ideas you know dates you know people get mad at graham hancock but he's right in the sense that things keep getting older they do keep getting older they keep mm-hmm. pushing back all the timelines clovis first shattered you know they found 30,000 year old stone tools in a, in a cave in Chiquahite, Mexico that, you know, predates the, the idea of where people were even 15,000 years before that. So it's like things do keep getting older. Some of these, you know, fringe researchers or people that have put a lot of time into this, how could, you know, how could you put that much time into it and not get certain things right? You know, like I don't, if you're somewhat of a reasonable person, you know what I'm saying? So it's like things like that. But then I also think that there's this other thing about belief, which is people just believe in things and they don't look into them and they just hear an idea or they read, like I said, one book or whatever, and that's their perception of it. And maybe that works. And I know actually it does work on some level because I remember when I was going through my spiritual awakening and I was having all these synchronicities when we first started this podcast like four years ago and everything seemed to come together and I'm you know, putting these pieces together. But in reality, all I was doing was just connecting dots that I was looking for to connect, right? Like I was finding one or two things in these long texts that would correlate to each other and it it gave it meaning to myself. And it made sense in the way that like I felt great. I'd never felt better, right? So there is some sort of like ignorance is bliss aspect of it, which Mm -hmm. I, I think that there may be something to that in a way, like maybe even some sort of evolutionary function that's that's it sounds like kind of crazy but if you look at like religion and how things have evolved since then and technology and stuff like that this believing in something um that maybe not even there might have some sort of benefit that we're just not aware of so i mean i I don't think it's even that magical or special i mean you know you when you're when you're looking around right um what you see is what's directly in front of you but you have peripheral vision, right? Now, is what's on the periphery important? If it's a, a an object that's standing still, no. But if it's a moving object, yes, right? Because if you are, you know, in the savannas running around and you see a moving object in the periphery, it might be a lion trying to eat you, hmm. right? Now, I mean, maybe in some places in Africa, they still need to worry about this. You and I don't need to worry about a lion coming to eat me. There's no lions around here, okay? Now. When I go to the woods, maybe I have to worry about, you know, wolves or, or bears sometimes, right? Maybe. Um, so so your your instincts get kind of heightened. And I think if you spend, I mean, Maurice, you, you guys go do your hikes in, in the woods all the time, right? Like uh-huh. when you're in the woods, yes, there, there's that feeling of peace because it, it almost feels like a, a place where you should be instead of just enclosed in four walls. But but you also have this this heightened sense of being. And I think that's part of the reason why you feel so at peace in a place like this. Not not everybody. Right. Like my wife hates going to the woods. She She's very anxious, but she's very anxious in the house. Right. So the anxiety is my anxiety because uh, when I like I'm very I have a lot of anxiety. But then when I go out there, my anxiety has a real purpose because I might get trampled by a moose. Well, see, so there you, you go. Know? So, so it's like it actually I, has a reason for it. Yeah. And, and this is the same with, with ideas, right? There's no difference in ideas. Just because they're not physical things doesn't make them any less real. And, and so there's things that you just kind of take for granted as, as true, right? Um, and I, I just posted this video on the, the proof of one plus one equals two. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's a five minute video. You would think you do this and there's your proof, but that's not a proof, right? Um, it's an example, but it's not a proof. Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of things you take for granted because for your everyday existence, they don't make any difference, right? You assume that you're going to go to bed and you wake up in the morning, the sun comes out. Well, is that true? No, right? An asteroid could hit the sun. The sun could supernovas. Anything could happen where tomorrow the sun doesn't come up, okay? But the probability of that happening is very small, right? So you don't think about it. You just take it as true that the sun comes out tomorrow. And you do this all day long with all kinds of things. You do this even just with the words that you're using, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's you, the faith that the past is, or the uh, present's going to act the same way as the past. Exactly. Because that's the way your brain interprets information. Okay. And the information that's extraneous, that doesn't affect your, your direct survival at any given moment, is kind of put on the backside. Okay. So if you're driving home, you might not remember every single tree and, and road sign that you're passing by, but they're there, right? You see them as you're going by, but you don't remember them. You might remember the car that's in front of you, right? He did a sudden stop and you almost crashed into him. You remember that, right? Because mm -hmm. that's part of your survival. But you don't remember all the extraneous things. And, and ideas work the same way. So that's why I say belief is easy. You can believe anything you want, and it takes zero computational knowledge for you, right? It doesn't require any use of your brain for you to believe something, okay? You just assume that it's true, and you move on to the next thing, okay? But, but knowing things, acquiring some kind of gnosis is really hard because when you begin acquiring gnosis, you realize all the things you took for granted as true, right? Your belief system is complete and utter BS, okay? Hmm. See? I caught myself. I didn't use the bad word. Yeah, uh, we only like, have one left. For you're, 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 <laughs> you're full go on that. We're explicit. Yeah, sure. Yes. We got that. We have that bad, E. Bad letters. Yeah, we have the bad E. <laughs> um, but but you see what I mean? Like it, it, it's very hard to realize anything, whatever it might be, something that you were raised to believe to be true that is not true. Okay, and so now you have to either decide. Do I continue believing this thing that I know is not true, which happens all the time, right? I mean, you know, you grew up in church. I grew up in church. I could have easily just, you know, been a good church boy and kept going to church, even when I quit believing. Okay, now that I believe a hundred percent that it's true, do I believe that what I was raised to be true is true? No, right. So I believe for sure that God exists, but a lot of the ritual and, and ideas that are brought up in church, I think are complete and under nonsense. Okay. That doesn't remove from the fact that the core idea of God being a thing and being true is true or false, right? Mm -hmm. To me, it's true. Okay. Uh, it negates some of the other things, right? Like, I don't feel like I need to go to church, right? If God's everywhere, why don't I need to go to a building, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm experiencing no. God right now. Uh, and, and my dad and I have had this argument because, you know, his thing is uh, part of, of Christianity's the, the, bre the brotherhood, right? Hmm. The communion. Um, and that's fair. But, you know, the problem is if I try to commune some of my ideas, uh, a lot of people won't like it, right? Yeah, so you're just sure. communing with people that believe the same thing you believe. You're a pagan. Right? So that's not gnosis. <laughs> um, yeah. And shout out to Athena. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, so in terms of what you're saying though, I mean, I look, there's certain things of what you're saying that I a hundred percent identify with. And as you mentioned, I mean, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic church. And then at a certain point when I got into like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years old, I started thinking about like the universe and aliens and possibilities and the cosmos. And 
uh, metaphysics and, and stuff like that. And then shortly after that, you know, we start, you know, smoking cannabis and getting into psychedelics. And then I had my first psychedelic experience. And then I realized, oh, there's more to life. Like any, I didn't feel anything, any connection to any sort of church or religion up till that point. And then I have my first psychedelic experience. I'm like, there's more to life. I have this, this is weird. What I'm experiencing is weird. I don't know how to explain this. It's nothing like I've ever experienced before. And um, just opened up a whole new, you know, bunch of doors. But but it didn't push me backwards. Like, I didn't go back like what you're saying. I didn't think like, oh, man, I got to go back there. And they had the right idea. I actually started moving more forward because it's like, there's more to this. Maybe these ancient people misinterpreted this. And maybe there's more to this. And that was just their way of describing something at the time. But we have more language. We have more technology. We have more knowledge up into this point um that we can use and that's the whole point is like each generation just slowly pushes the boulder up the the, you know the mountain a little bit more for the Mm -hmm. next and we just got to keep doing that and you know i do also believe that you know um i also believe that there are periods of time which are more fruitful than others but i don't necessarily i don't believe that there's like a straight causal line of everything since life began like most scientists believe i think there are have have been some ups and downs and you know things like that but i also think that um i don't think that there's anything in the past that's like far exceeds what we know today in terms of how we live our lives like it might have been different in some way that we just are unaware of but i don't think it was like superior um knowledge like some people like flying cars in atlantis or anything crazy like that but um, but yeah, I just, um, I don't know, man, I think life's really weird. And, um, like I said, this is just my journey. And I, and when I say these things, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm, you know, when I write that blog, I don't think I'm better than anybody, but I do know that if I've looked into all the stories, like if you let's, okay, let's just say you're interested in consciousness. That's what you want to research. Your, your consciousness is bizarre. We all have it. We all filter our entire reality through this. Maybe, thing. maybe, right. Or does it not exist? There's some people that think that. Um, But our whole existence is filtered through this thing. So if that's the case, then you should be looking at, um, you know, I want to look into what 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 do the neuroscientists have to say? What do the philosophers Mm -hmm. have to say? What do, you know, you got to look, what do the mystics have to say? I want to look at everything. And then I want to build my own model of what I think based off of that. And that's kind of what all I'm doing is, is that. But what I can say is, when I see people fighting, I can tell when people have actually looked into things and they haven't, and they want to like be experts. It's I guess that's just what bugs me is people pretending to be experts, and I'm no expert either. But I know that I've looked into things, and I know what's possible for the most part on the topics that we discuss, and what's not possible. And I think that um, you have to. Sherman says, "Look at the evidence." Yeah, you have to look at the evidence. Like there is evidence, whether you. You, you know, you can turn a blind eye to it, but it's not going to go away. That's it's there. You know, like how did the cell, you know, how was the cell phone created? There's real physics that were used in creating cell phones. You know, you might not know how a cell phone works or how the frequencies get sent up and, you know, the waves into the, you know, the air and it gets picked up by the tower. You know, you might not know how any of that works, but you don't necessarily need to based on the way we've created civilization, right? Like that's not a necessary thing for you to know, but you have to know that it's real and it's there. And I just see a lot of people like denying the existence of a lot of things like that, that I can say, oh, well, this, read this book, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to turn around uh, an, an age old phrase. Oh, he's coming back. An age old phrase. Um, 
you know, I, I think there's only two kinds of people. Uh, there, there's imposters and there's people that have imposter syndrome. Um, so that goes back to this platonic idea of, uh, you know, know thyself that you talk about all the time. Um, or, or this idea in, in Zen or, or in, in uh, Taoism where, you know, the, the man who thinks he knows something doesn't know anything. And the man who knows it all knows nothing. Right. Um, that kind of idea. Um, I, I understand the need for people to make a living. Right. So I'm, I'm not knocking that. Um, it, it used to bother me that you have a lot of armchair experts um, and then I started doing the podcast and I'm like, you know, at first I was like, yeah, you know, if, if I make some money off of this, it'd be cool. Uh, but then I got to a point where I'm like, I don't ever want to make money off of this. Right. Because I don't want the direction that I take in my own personal journey to be affected at all, uh, by somebody contributing monetarily. Right. Mm. Um, now I do have a Patreon. There are people that contribute. I think that's great. Um, but that's why I changed the way the Patreon works, right? I used to have content that was exclusive to that. Um, and then I realized, well, you know, knowledge should be everywhere, should be for everybody, right? So, you know, I, I don't want to put my stuff behind a paywall, right? Uh, now, I'll put episodes out earlier for the Patreon, uh, but in terms of additional content, it's eventually going to become public, right? Uh, it might take a day, it might take a week, a month, I don't care. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with making money on it, right? The problem is knowing the difference between the fact that we're all trying to learn something, okay? And if you want to support it, great. Then, you know, somebody saying, uh, well, you know, I was uh, I was taught by, you know, such as Graham Hancock was my teacher, so you should listen to me. I'm like, that doesn't make you anybody, right? Um, like, yeah, I know who Graham Hancock is, so does that mean I should listen to you, right? Like, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And just a quick plug, um, for just $2, you can get exclusive content from Mindscape Podcast. <laughs> well, and so you see what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I, like I, you guys I, don't tend to know anything, right? Like, no, you're not but I will say this. Right? I, you want to know more. To your point, I agree with you. And I think knowledge should be free. That is, that's, that's right. But for us, I feel like Patreon, because of the stipulations of things you're allowed to say on certain platforms or this or that, or you're not allowed to talk about this or you're allowed to talk about that or whatever the case may be. Patreon allows us, I feel like to be a little bit more free, especially like talking about like psychedelic stuff or whatever. I don't feel like we have to like monitor, not that we really do that anyways, because a lot of the topics we talk about, there's really none of that in there, but um, I feel like it does allow you to like open up a little bit more, maybe give a little bit more of a piece of yourself, if that makes sense. Um, well, and again, you know, your main focus for your show is different than mine, right? Um, whereas you guys are talking about generally scientific things, right? You do dive into the esoteric and the magical and spiritual. Like I said, um, the first the like 50 or is, 60 episodes are pretty mystical. I mean, I don't know if you can get... Mystical they call it. I, I don't know if you can get more <laughs> mystical than our first bad. But again, this has just been my evolution. This is my story. It's it's Nobody's mm -hmm. influenced me. This is things I'm curious in. This was a knowledge quest, and I felt like I couldn't pretend to have full knowledge without looking at all aspects of things. And I want to be able to talk with and debate everybody, so I want all of the knowledge I can get. That was always just my goal. See, and the thing is, because I deal mostly in the spiritual, um, I a lot of people fall prey to those kind of people, right? And I don't want anyone to ever get any idea whatsoever that my show is like those shows 
No, that's right? great. I like, so, yeah. Right? Like, I, I'm not selling a meditation course. I'm not selling retreats, right? Like, I don't care about any of that stuff, right? I want, I'm on a journey. I'm sharing it. If you want to come along, great. If you don't, there's plenty of other people out there, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I made that decision. Okay? No, absolutely. Uh, I don't, I don't knock on anybody for doing theirs. Oh, dude, you were um, knocking us. I don't like it, bro. I don't like it. No, look, I'm just what, would I be wearing this? Yeah. Was... Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, man. If you need it, and if you need a shirt, let's uh, <laughs> let's plug this too. <laughs> we got plenty of shirts uh, available. We do have some gentlemen. shirts. If you guys are interested, send us an email uh, on our. Uh, I might door. just be here for the hype, man. <laughs> Everybody, if you're joining tonight, this uh, guy's got a shirt cannon. Cool. He's just ripping this thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, right. No, but says, look, I think I think I think we all do what we're supposed to do. Like, I think what you're doing is amazing, you know. And I know that you like what we're doing. You know, it's I think that's where you can kind of come together. It's like I don't have to do the same thing as you, and I don't want other people to do the same thing as us or you or whoever. I want everybody to do some cool, different thing. And I didn't even add this in the blog, but I originally in the blog in the rant, I was going to start talking about like creation and originality and how. There's really not that much rigid. You know how hard it is to be truly original? And when I say truly original, I'm talking about like not influenced for the most part by something else. It's it's very, very hard. Unless you're meditating like crazy or, you know, <laughs> psychedelics or whatever. Those are the only times where I've had these like breakthrough thoughts where I'm like, I haven't heard this anywhere. Or I haven't thought about this from somebody else talking about it or what like that's the only time that that happens for me and i try and achieve that in, in day-to-day consciousness it's really hard even when since i you know we play music and i was a musician it's that's it's nearly impossible to play riffs and do things that aren't influenced in some way by your favorite bands or people that came before you it's it's really really yeah, hard that's a good thing though that's what life's all about right, like but, being inspired and being influenced can and... you get there though is the question can you achieve this creativity or this react can you become this creator that's just you know can you do that i don't know I, I think that that's an interesting conversation so i mean that kind of would lie at the core of your cosmology right of your theology because to me yes um, I think you could do whatever you want, whenever you want. You can learn any skill. You could learn Coptic and, and hieroglyphics and translate from Greek, right? Uh, anybody could do this. It's just whether you want to or not, right? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about podcasts, and, you know, it's not an original idea, this idea of, you know, we all being different perspectives of God. Um, and, and, you know, what you just said to me is a direct manifestation of that. Right. To your your perspective is doing Mike and Maurice's mind escape. Right. Mine is doing the alchemical mind, um, plus whatever other things we have. Right. We have different experiences on a day to day basis. And so our perspectives will differ. And in unison, we create the entirety of what would be considered God. Right. Uh, this all encompassing being, um, you know, early on in the podcast, before I, I was going to go into Gnosticism, I was going to kind of do chronologically. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've talked about Rumi a little bit on the show and, uh, I, I had this fortunate mistake, I guess you could say, where when I dove into Ruby, I, I began looking at other Muslim mystics. Um, and, and I found this idea that like when I found it, I just, I started rolling laughing so hard because I just couldn't believe it. Right. Um, and, and so I, I've used that as kind of the the direction that I want to take the podcast uh, over the next like four or five years, 
because I feel like while I I get it, I think it's going to take me that long to fully understand it. So now I can't talk about this thing for five years, right? Mm-hmm. Because when I if I if I explain it now, I'm going to lose everybody, right? Um, your your show has different topics in every episode. My show kind of builds from one to the next, right? Right? Because if if I go and try to give you a proof for God on episode one, people will be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Hmm. Right? So I got to talk about meditation and prayer and reading scripture and this that, and the other and different ideas and how different people see this, uh, in order to get to a place where I can I can understand it, but can I get you to understand it? Right? Hmm. Um, because as, as mystical and magical as some of these ideas are, um, they're, they're so simple. They're extremely complicated to reproduce verbally. Okay. Um, you know, what, what's that, uh, if, if you don't, if you can't explain something to a five-year-old, then you don't understand it yourself. Right. right. Um, I, I want to get to that place with all the topics that I discuss on the show where, you know, anybody can pick it up and listen. Like I've had my my oldest daughter, she's going to be 18 soon. Um, I've had her friends listen to my podcast. And I had no idea. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, such and such. I told him you were doing a podcast. He found it and and said this and this and that. Uh, and, you know, these are like, you know, at the time, 16, 17 year old kids. Uh, and, and, you know, my audience ranges from that all the way up to, you know, 70s. Right. right. Uh, most of them falling somewhere in the middle. So, so I have to find a way to explain it, not just across age groups, but across different cultures, right? Because most of my audience is in the U.S., but there's people all over the world listening to the podcast. Sure. Right? So how, how can I explain Christianity, not just to a Christian, but to a Hindu or a Muslim or, you know, somebody that practices Shinto, right? These are, at, at the core, very seemingly very different ideologies, and you have to be able to break down certain barriers to do it. And so this goes to your point. Can you learn those things? Can you can you come up with the perfect riff, right? Uh, that like you play it. What, isn't that a, a Borges uh, novella? The the guy that uh, that discovers the symphony that when you listen to it you die. Hmm. I I could be conflating no, no. it with something else. Well, I'm uh, but there is a story to that effect. No, there's a, I know uh, that there's that. Uh... That story of the the person seeking enlightenment with their master, and they have the moment of enlightenment, and the master strikes them on the head, and they kills them, you know, instantly. So it's like, you know, like I don't, I think, where did I hear that? I think I heard that on like Duncan Trussell podcast or something like that. <laughs> but it was like this thing that, like, um, yeah, it was like he had a moment of enlightenment, and then he, you know, this guy cracks him on the head and he dies, kind of a thing. Um, and, and, and to go back to Girdle, Girdle had that idea. Um, where through his his logic deducement of of things that could be true but unprovable, um, he had this idea that there would be an idea so fundamental to existence that if you were whispered this idea, it would be like placing a record on a record player, and when the needle hits the record, the record player would explode. That's okay. crazy. So. So I, I think those things are possible. Uh, maybe not necessarily in that extreme a circumstance, but we, you know we see this all the time. These are the, the the awakening experiences, right? Awakening isn't a thing that happens once and you're done, right? Now you're Buddha or Jesus. Uh, it happens throughout your life, uh, and you can easily unawaken, right? You can go back to sleep, right? Okay, as long if you don't keep going into your journey. 
Yeah, it's just um, the creative thing. Just, just you know, people that you because, like I mentioned, Steve Jobs and like the iPhone or the iPad or whatever. Like, even though that's a revolutionary idea, there were still cell phones that were you know that predated but they it or the same thing. No, it wasn't the same thing. Snake. Right, but what I'm saying, there there is still some, like, precedent, just like how, you know, uh, our favorite band Fish, like, if the Grateful Dead never existed, would Fish exist? And even though they're very different sounding-wise and people compare them because of the following and stuff, you know, one is still a huge influence on the other in the terms of, like, the improvisation aspect of it, the live performance aspect of it. There's a lot of stuff where I don't know if one would exist without the other. You could say that about a lot of bands, too, but... Um, just this idea of originality just has really been fascinating me. Like, can you, that would almost be like enlightenment for me would be achieving the state where you're having semi or completely original thoughts on, on a regular basis. And, and I think that that's when you see truly genius art or some revolution. Yeah, but you're never going to have that. I mean, take Tarantino. He's probably one of the best filmmakers of our time. He's, he, he takes everything from, from past cinema no i know but mm-hmm. i'm saying like i think that there is this I, I okay so we did our trip report series there was one where i did where it was a psilocybin experience meditating in the dark and something a presence told me that this is the realm of imagination this is where things come from you know ideas come from you know and mm-hmm. i just i've always thought about that since then is like I was thinking of things in that realm that I wrote down that I think are truly original thoughts. Some of them are ideas. Some of them are like invention ideas. You know, some of them are like truly things that I was able some of it to write down. And some of it was like nonsense. Like I came out of it and I'm like, oh, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. This other thing, you know, but was it nonsense? Sometimes I think that one nonsense thing, maybe that makes sense in that realm, but it doesn't make sense in this realm. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I think you have to tread a thin line, right? Um, because you're never going to be able to prove everything to be true, right? So at some point you have to realize kind of this is enough, right? And what what enough is depends on you, right? Um, to me, I've hit enough in a lot of things that I thought I believed in and saw in life, right? Um, and so that's put me more at peace with things. Uh, you know, to go to your music example, right? So you're talking about Fish and the Grateful Dead. Well, what if you know, Elvis hadn't made rock popular. Well, you know, what if uh, there weren't blues singers that influenced Elvis? Right, there's always well, a what causal if we didn't have, yeah. Right, what if we didn't have slavery in the U.S.? Then you wouldn't have this blues movement, right? Um, so you can go all the way back to whatever, right? So at what point do you stop, right? I mean, yeah, you can keep going. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's this, there is, for some things, there is this causal line that does lead up to it. But I'm just saying... Is there a way to break that causal line and achieve something that is truly visionary? Yeah. I, 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 you don't think it's possible? Uh, and that that means something visionary. Because, yes, because that almost can. Now we can have the conversation of free will versus determinism. Because mm. in the sense that of an objective universe, if there's a causal line for everything, that you're saying that then then that takes out free will out of the realm of possibility because everything is being influenced by everything else, every action, every movement, everything's leading up to something else that's being created by you, but it's not really being created by you. It's just you are the one manifesting this thing that's led up to this point. But see, that's based on an assumption. So you're assuming that time is linear. Well, I mean, well, how okay, would you so, how would you explain it in the sense that if time was not linear, like how would you explain that in a sense of free will then, I guess is what I would say. 
like true I mean, free will. <laughs> the thing is, I don't believe there is true free will, right? That's the difference. Now, can you decide if you want to drink coffee or water? Possibly, right? Um, but I mean, you can go turtles all the way down there, right? If you decide you want to drink coffee instead of water, why did you decide to drink coffee instead of water, right? So maybe you're tired. You're especially tired, right? You had a, a bad night of sleep. And so your body instinctually says, well, I need to pick me up. The water's not going to pick me up. The coffee will. You're not going through this consciously in your mind, right? It, it just It's one of those things where you, you have this this basis idea of, of how to this, this methodology and you're just plugging different variables in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, if you were out cutting grass all day and you go back into your house, your first thought is not going to be, well, let me make a cup of hot coffee, right? You're going to be like, let me get some ice water. Of course. Right. Cause you're, you're thirsty. You've been out, you've been sweating. You don't want coffee. It's going to make you hotter. Okay. Now you can go through this process and think about it, but you, you don't because you don't need to right? This is part of the way that your brain works. And it makes decisions for you without you knowing that you make those decisions. Hmm. Now, again, you can't, it might appear to you that you're choosing water or coffee. But if you go further and further back in the causality, you might realize that's not the case. Okay. And you can plug this into almost anything. I mean, I stand by, we've had this conversation. I think we talked about this last time. I stand Mm -hmm. by what I said before. I think it's both. I think we have free will and determinism. I think free will is the illusion that we have of ourselves and our decisions as you're talking about just now. Do I want coffee? Do I want water? Uh, I, think so, I'm making, I think I'm making that decision. But I think externally or, or objectively, the universe, I think that if you're saying time's not limited, then everything's already been determined anyways, in, in my opinion. So that's just how I look at it right now. Now that's going to probably change in the future because my mind's changed a million times on these sorts of topics and I I get thoughts and philosophize and whatever. But currently right now, I think internally we have free will externally, objectively we have it's, it's um, determinism. So I think it might again come to a matter of semantics because I don't see that as, as will will. just agency. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that as agency. Right. So, uh, I, I'm going to go into this when I when I do this Aquinas series, um, because this is kind of where the proofs begin, um, is that you have to have a, an original agent that acts upon the next in order to put things into motion. Right. And so in Aquinas's idea, the, the, the prime mover would be God. Right. Um, so this goes back to this idea of causality we've been talking about for the past few minutes. Uh, and to me, it applies perfectly well to will. So. Because you're a conscious agent, you might assume that your agency is something that you determine yourself, okay? Hmm. That it, that you consider free will, okay? But that's not the case. You so so you, what you're doing is basically using the the potentiality that you have, right? So these ideas, you want to make these ideas come true. So you turn that from potential energy to kinetic energy, and that moves the next object in the line, right? This whole this whole idea of the the billiard balls, right? Uh, where if you can Laplace's determine the trajectory, shot. Yep. perfect. Maisie's okay. favorite. <laughs> I have thing. mentioned it at least twenty five <laughs> times on this podcast. Yes, yes. So uh, so so one of these things. So uh, if you go back, eventually you find this prime mover, right? Um, because you you have conscious thought and you can analyze all this input that comes into you and and express them verbally. 
uh, even if you're just talking in your head to yourself, right? Not necessarily externally. Um, you assume that you're enacting your will on something else. Uh, but in reality, there's no such thing. Everything's enacting its will upon other things, okay? So it's just agency. Hmm. All you're doing is turning that potentiality into an external kinetic movement, okay? Right. Uh, whether it's actually pushing someone, okay, forcing them that way, or making someone do something or think about something by expressing an idea, okay? You're still, this is magic, right? It's pure magic. Right. Okay, you're turning this nothingness out of nowhere and you're you're creating some concreteness to it, okay? Uh, and I think it's easy to conflate the two things. Uh, now, unlike you, you're saying that, well, if there's no free will, it's all determinism, it, everything's already determined, so you can't change any of it. Um, I'm not even necessarily yeah, saying I, that. I'm just saying that's what I currently believe based on where I'm at. But yeah, keep going. Sure, but but you also, you're coming from a very dualistic point of view, whereas I, I, I don't. To, to me, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both at the same time, and it could be neither. Okay. But when you I don't, start to think about I, when it, I, I, I don't think it's dualistic. I, th I, I think it has to do with the fact that we have a mind and our mind makes us an individual. Ew, I mean, I guess you could say that we don't, but I can't tell you exactly what Maurice is thinking right now. I can't tell you exactly the thoughts you're having about what you're going to say next. And if we were one thing, I would imagine that I could do that. No. If we were all one thing, you would still not be able to do that. But I mean, in the sense that things are definitely parsed out. Maybe we are what, like, okay, so if you want to talk about like Vedanta and uh, non-duality, I'm not saying I don't even, I'm all on board with that stuff to a certain extent. Like I could believe that, you know, we've done episodes on it, but do I believe that we're one thing in the sense, like, I guess what I'm saying is we could still be one thing and still be individual in our own perceptions of this one thing. Like we well, could all know, be manifestations of, of this one thing living out through these different branches, if that makes sense. So, so we need to be careful because even in Vedanta, there's different schools of Vedanta and even within Vedanta, not all things are one. Okay. So you can have God as a circle here and, you know, existence as a circle here. Okay, where they're touching each other, or they might overlap this way. Well, what was our, our buddy Chris, who studies Vedanta, we've had him on. What was he saying, Maurice, about um, they give words to different things because even though everything's one thing, to even conceptualize this one thing, you have to give different names for different things so people understand it, if that makes sense. Right. Well, and that idea is why Hindus say namaste, right? I recognize the God within you. Um, it, it's, it's all the same thing. Um, I, oh, I like this conversation. Keep going. It's flowing, baby. Man, this, whoo. <laughs> Good thing do, do you have to do some time left or you got to wrap it up? Oh, uh, dude, for you, I have all the time in the world. All right. All right. Uh, there, there's oh, no time. Um, yeah, there you go. There is no time. <laughs> Bring me back. Now you've got. Uh, now you've got. Okay, no, we were just talking about like free will. I, I just, I got. I'll, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, and and just tell me what you think. What if enlightenment or breaking the simulation or just escaping, you know, actually getting the best glimpse of reality, is like free will is a thing, but you don't, you're not, you don't just have it. It's something you have to develop, and it's this thing. What I was kind of talking about is a truly original thought outside of this causal line, if that even exists. And if you can achieve that, 
you can truly achieve free will. That's something that I've been thinking about. I don't know if that's possible, but so that... in terms in terms of a, a truly original thought, um, again uh, semantics. What's your the originality? Yeah, not because not influenced it's... by you know you're either meditating or you've cleared your mind, and it's just something that has nothing to do with almost like in a dream. I have dreams where I don't even know some of these places or faces I'm seeing. Like I've never even experienced any of these people or places. I don't even know where this came from. You know, like that kind of a thing. So. I mean, it would be originality in terms of your human experience, right? Right. So, you know, you have to make some assumptions always, right? Um, because if you don't find that turtle at the bottom, you can't go up the ladder. Um, so, so you got to make the assumptions. For so, so there's plenty of people that have original thoughts, meaning uh, ideas that um, no human has ever had. Okay. Uh, now, th those ideas might be less than we think, right? So, again, this goes back to the idea of lost technology, for example, right? Um, could there have been some machine that was used to build or cut stone for the pyramids? Possibly, right? Uh, I've, I've seen some of the evidence. It looks it looks good, but it doesn't prove anything, right? Um, so, so that technology gets lost and it gets refound, right? If we don't have a historical record of that ever happening, then when the technology is refound, it's an original idea, right? Because there's no record of it ever happening, mm. right? Right. So, but it's not original because we've seen it before, okay? Now, I, I go a step further that all ideas always exist at all points in time. And all you need is the right tools in order to pick them out of the air. Okay, so that's why I emphasize learning. And I agree with that okay? to a certain and, and extent. More. I, you know, even our favorite guitar player, Trey Anastasio, says on one of his psychedelic, you know, trips that he was having during, you know, concert experience, he was plucking notes out of the air, improvising, you know, like that's some next level shit right there, you know? So, so yeah, that's it's perfect. It's all about getting okay, into that's... your flow state, in my opinion. Yeah, so, so the psychedelic, again, is a perfect example. Because a lot of people figure things out on psychedelics, right? The DNA helix was figured out on a psychedelic trip. Right. Okay? Or conceptualized, yeah. Or I know there's now, some debate so, so, about that. I've seen some bit, but yeah, I mean, sure. I know. Fine. But that that's the that's the mythology, right? Right. He, he, was, he was tripping and he saw this helix. Well, I think same people uh, now, say the same thing about Steve Jobs and like his eastern mysticism mm -hmm. and lsd experiences and that led to like what we were talking about before the iphone ipad ipod but see even then you can go either way so is accessing are you accessing some other level of existence in a psychedelic trip that allows you to pluck this knowledge out of thin air or um have you gone through the process to get to a place where you're making the next logical step in solving your equation Okay. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be either or. It could be both. And that's what I'm saying. If you have the tools, you'll be able to pick those things out of thin air. But you have to have them. Okay. Now, can you have spontaneous awakening? Possibly. Okay. I would say yes. Um, but very few and far between people, uh, between that happens, right? Um, even the, the, the major prophets or, or, you know, religious figures that we have. I don't think any of them had spontaneous enlightenment, right? Buddha was in the woods for years. Jesus did his 40 days, 40 nights, right? Uh, you know, nothing about his first 30 years. Uh, you know, Muhammad, same thing. Like, Absolutely. You see what I mean?
but can you have that spontaneous experience? Yes. But you continue having the experience. No, but that could, uh, you make you're making my point about earlier though, in the sense that you have to put in the re- you have to do something. You have to do something to. that takes you to that place. You can't just look at other people's comments online or you know reads one thing and you know you have to put in the work. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. Everybody's you know give your opinion, whatever. But to have it be valid and 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 you know be worthy of whatever the time you know like I, that's what it comes into is time equals worthiness the amount of time you put into something you know you you kind of get out right so it's like the more the old adage the more work you put in the more you get out i wholly believe that that's true if you research something for 20 years whether it's fringe or alternative or whatever it is you're gonna know something more than the normal person about that and you're gonna even have some different outlook than somebody else if you study science for 20 years you're gonna know more about science than most people you know what i'm saying so it's like the more work you put in the more you get out and that's true like i that i guess that's what it comes down to for me is like just do something like you can have an opinion but don't expect like people to like love your comment or love your take on it and if you've only done it for 10 seconds you know Right. So in terms of my podcast, I would phrase that as God helps those who help themselves. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, and this is why I always make fun of the secret. Uh, let me rephrase. I don't make fun of Ooh, them. I just kind of, they're coming I just kinda after poke, you. Poke, poke. That's fine. They can come after me. <laughs> um, look, I can, I can sit in meditation for the next uh, 60 years of my life. Um, and all I do is focus on winning the lottery. Okay. But if I never play the lottery, I'm never going to win the lottery, right? A lottery ticket's not magically going to appear out of thin air and fall on my lap. Uh, now, maybe some of the secret people think that's not true, right? Maybe somehow somebody bought a winning lottery ticket and they were playing with their kid and lost it and the wind blew it into the mountains where I was meditating. Okay, and now I have the winning lottery ticket. Um, but but that's not how the actual secret works, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you, you can manifest things into reality, but they don't just spontaneously appear out of nowhere, okay? Because everything has a cause coming before it. Uh, and so, therefore, you have to work to get to a place where that cause can reach you, okay? Now, it would be lovely if we could all just sit in, in the mountains and meditate and you just you get whatever you want, right? Yeah. You're hungry. Uh, you know, somebody brings you a, a bag of potatoes. You, you're, you're poor. So you, somebody gives you a lottery ticket. Uh, that'd be great, uh, but that's not the way things work, right? That's that's why people get uh, taken advantage of so much, is because they don't want to put in the work. Well, they it's time and, inte- and intention, right? The people that actually make it work are putting the time and the intention into the thing, and therefore you're going to succeed on some level, right? Even if it's just being proud of yourself for getting to like another level or something, you know, it's like that aspect of it. It's like putting in, like again, what we're talking about, but. Um, so, so that's why, you know, you, you get all these uh, spiritual guys that say, don't take psychedelics, right? You get this a lot in like Buddhism, for example. Um, you, you hear, uh, what's, what's the guy, Sad Guru, I guess? Um, he talks about this too. Don't do psychedelics, right? Um, now, there, there's two reasons for it's that. It's considered okay? what, like a shortcut or? So one reason, it, it's, it could be considered a shortcut, right? If you want to really understand the purpose of the experience and, and gather meaning from it, you have to fight the battle, right? You have to defeat the dragon in order to get the gold, okay? Um, 
if you're just, uh, you know, throwing some poison in the river and the dragon drinks him and he dies, then you don't learn anything from the experience, right? You just gather the rewards. Uh, and therefore, they'll, they won't mean anything. And because they don't have any inherent value, um, it, ju- it doesn't mean anything to you. You learn nothing from it. You can't move on to the next step. Um, the other reason, of course, is, well, you know, I'm the guru. I have the the knowledge. If you want it, you got to come hang out with me, and I'll give it to you. Right. Uh, you know, if you go to psychedelics, maybe you'll get something, but uh, it won't be the same as mine. Mine's better, right? Um. So, so you have that as well. Uh, and, Perfect and again, example of that is like, Wild Wild Country. Actually, that documentary. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's a yeah with Osho. Yeah, a six part documentary on Netflix. It's probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Actually, I, there's just from the music to the way it's structured to the story to the and I had never heard of it leading up to that and now it's like um, uh, you know and I have friends that have read some of Osho's book and be like there's some true knowledge you know in, in those but then you look at like how everything unfolded towards the end and almost like he played this big Gurdjieffian uh, joke on himself and he I, fell for it or something like you know what I'm saying there's just something weird I, to, I don't I don't think he played it, man. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say I, I think he just copied Gurdjieff and and just spun it in uh, in a new light. You know what I mean? Could be. Uh, and, and maybe that's where he fell down, right? Um, you 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 hear a lot on on mystical experiences where people become gurus out of a mystical experience, out of a, a psychedelic experience. Um, and, and I mean that's great that they gather some knowledge, but. The, the point of the experience is not to, to be a guru and, and take people's money. The point of of getting that experience is to to move to the next level and bring people along with you. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, again, nothing wrong with, with making a living, but you got to tread very lightly. Right. Because oh, when 100%. people see they have a little power, they take advantage of it. No, absolutely. And look, this is our this is my passion now. You know, it used to be playing live bands and doing music. And then four years ago, I'm like, yeah, that's fun. I like doing it. I still do it on the side, you know, but this is this knowledge quest. This is my true passion. And we're going to do this thing and I'm going to go all in and people are either going to listen and like it and, you know, maybe give us a little bit of money here and there. And look, we still are eating, you know, we're still in, in the red a little bit with this thing, with all the services that we use and the production value and everything. And I'm fine with that because it's my passion. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm not doing this for the money, you know, because we're not really making any money and yet we're still here. Um, but I do it because I love it and I love this journey and I want to share it. And someday maybe somebody will see it and we get nice emails. Even if, even if, uh, we didn't get anything, we were just getting nice emails. That's enough for me to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like I think intentions and what you're, what you do it for and why you do it, I think is, is everything. And I think that you look at your podcast and I love what you're doing and I love the takes that you have on stuff. And, you know, as you can see from the episode we just did, we don't agree on anything, but I respect Mm -hmm. you as a person. And I know you're a smart dude and I respect the things you have to say. And even though we don't agree, I respect where you come from. I respect your opinions and I like what you have to say. And it makes me think even more too. So I think that that's what we need is that more of that out there. We need more people having these conversations, more people talking about these things, you know, spark up a conversation with your friends or your family, you know, even if it's at dinner, you know, it's not a bad thing to get into debate here and there either, you know, it's, it's healthy. So, um, I like this kind of stuff. You know, people tend to avoid confrontation and I get it, but it doesn't have to be a confrontation, right? Um, 
again, exactly what you said. We don't agree with everything that we say about each other, but I respect your opinion and I learn from you every time I talk to you. Okay. And I hope that even one word you can learn from me. No, for uh, sure. But, you know, I get, so I've had, I've had, you know, I was going to do guests on the show. So I had a, a short stint of time where I was, I was lining guests up and then I decided it's not the path that I wanted to go on the podcast. But, you know, even some of the guests that I had on, and I'm sure you get this all the time because you have guests almost every episode. I mean, you don't agree with everything they say, right? But maybe you can learn something that you can apply to yourself, right? It, it, this is not a zero-sum game, right? Nobody has to win. Why can't we all win? Well, and I, I look, to your point, I do learn from people I disagree with. For sure. I like that stain. You learn something from everybody. I actually applied that when I was a musician. I thought... When I, I used to work at Guitar Center and sell guitars and, you know, do that whole thing when I was younger in my early 20s. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from the good players that would come in and just shred and rip. Oh, man, how'd you do that? How'd you do, you know, and then I learned a lot from people that weren't necessarily as good, but they were, had some like unique style. And it was their, they didn't know music theory. They just knew how to play the guitar. And I learned a ton from those kinds of people, too. So I took that along with me in life early on, which is you can learn something from everybody. Um, yeah, you might not learn a ton from everybody, but you can learn something. And I definitely learned from you. Uh, but I think you have a lot of work into this. So I do learn a lot from you because you do, um, you know, I've read all the Gnostic stuff I know, but every time I listen to you talk about Gnosticism, there's new little nuggets in there of stuff that I have never, you know, even heard of either. So I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, man, that's what it's all about. And, um, I don't know how much more time you have, but can, do you want to do like a 10 or 15 minute Patreon? Cause I do want to ask you about, uh, yeah current ufo stuff and your take on it because mm, yeah let's do that <laughs> it's kind of interesting but uh yeah man i really appreciate what you're doing and we're gonna have you back on for sure and uh yeah just keep doing what you're doing and plugging away and i know you took your breaks and you do what you got to do but uh if you keep putting them out there i'll start i'll keep listening no doubt thanks man so same to you i mean i still listen <laughs> no yeah <laughs> even no. now while i've been out i still listen so and we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody Absolutely. that, you know, any, every listen that we get, I appreciate, you know, and then, like I said, we appreciate all our Patreon members and anybody that contributes and our close friends that we've found, you know, like Sandy and Cole and, uh, you know, just at Paul. I mean, I, I can go through Sean, all these people that listen to the show regularly or chat with us on our discord or whatever. I, I love everybody. Sure. You know, Sherman, he's always on there. So. Uh, I, you know, I love everybody and I, I love all the people that we've met, you know, and you'll get your occasional troll, but I mean, who cares? I don't really eh. know. So whatever, man. But yeah, uh, like I said, man, I really appreciate what you're doing. So everybody, if, if you're, you know, one of our listeners and you've never checked out uh, Martin's podcast, I have the link down below to his website. He's got all the links on there, whatever platform you like listening to. So go check that out. And it's thealchemicalmind.com. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really awesome show if you're into, like, the spiritual stuff and Gnosticism and Gnosis and, you know, the conversations like we were having about free will and determinism and all that kind of stuff. So go check that out. But uh, we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to do a Patreon segment for our Patreon members. That $2 paywall we were talking about earlier, we're going we're, to we're cashing <laughs> in, baby. We're cashing out. Yeah. Uh, no, but for $2 a month, you can get access to you know, some stuff that's not, you know, basically on all of our other platforms. So go on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You can listen to all that stuff. You know, I don't know how much stuff's on there, but there's probably 40 episodes or 40 things that we've done with there's some of our guests. There. There's a lot. 
Um, and we there's even a fan chat that we've done. Where we've been doing more fan chats, but we haven't recorded them all. So if you're interested, you can find us on Discord and jump into one of those. Uh, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, one more thing. Again, head on over to injuriesweb.org and sign up for an account. You know, if you want to chat with like-minded people on these kinds of conversations, speculate, theorize, hypothesize, perfect place to do it. Again, we are working on getting it in the app stores. So hold on tight for that. And thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate what you're doing. Anytime, man. All right. we, We love everybody. Stay safe out there. and We'll catch you next time. Peace.